Holy Spirit, we just formally invite you into this place. We know that you're here, but we just say you're welcome here. Come on, just give him a welcome right where you're at. Just say, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. And we just say right now, come and do what you want to do in us. Come and rearrange the pieces in us, the parts in us, the places in us. And Lord, I just believe that you're going to do something very significant. I've just sensed it all week that you're going to do something very significant. And so I pray right now for receptive hearts, for open ears, for open eyes to be able to see not just things in the natural, not just things that we expect, but some of the things that we don't expect. And I just say, surprise us today. Surprise us today. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give him some praise one more time. Amen. And gra grab a seat. Um, so awesome to be able to be with everybody today. And Auditorium 2 is basically packed out over there right now. So welcome you guys. Let's welcome them. Auditorium 2, so th thankful for you guys being over there with us. So we've just uh, had a great time baptizing a bunch of people last night as, as well as this morning. And so it's just an awesome weekend here at Journey. We're going to continue our series called Jesus 101. But as we get ready to do that, let me just ask a question, kind of a personal question for you guys. How many of you guys have had, since this whole uh, mask thing started, how many of you guys have had an awkward moment, like in a grocery store or something like that, where you're like, is, is that, who, is that? Like, and you don't recognize the person who it is, and you like, and you kind of get closer, but you don't want to get closer, because then if it's not the person, then you feel really awkward. But if it is the person, and how many of you guys have, just be honest, that you kind of thought you might have saw somebody you knew, but then you decided to avoid them just in case? Come on, anybody else? All right, hey, look at all this. Yes, yeah. Because you can't, we didn't realize how important this real estate was to be able to recognize and identify people, right? But it turns out it's very important. Uh, I went through after Easter, last week was Easter, and I went through this week and I started to read every part in the Gospels after the resurrection. And as I did, I noticed there was something, there was a pattern, there was a thread that through, went through all of these encounters that happened after the resurrection. And I want to share that with you today because I think it's something that's very, very important for us to look at. So let's look at this in John chapter 20, verse 11. This is after the resurrection. It says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped in to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting there uh, where the body of Jesus had lain. Now Jesus is resurrected, but one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Okay, so I want you to catch this. She looks and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't know it's Jesus. So she begins to talk to Jesus, not knowing that it's Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away. She's talking to Jesus about Jesus being carried away. She's like, sir, if someone has carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. So he says, her name, and it, and it goes on, it says, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus, so Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But I go to, go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. What's happening here is that Jesus was present, but unrecognizable. 
want you to catch that. He was present, but she didn't know it was Jesus. He was present, but she couldn't tell until this moment when her eyes were open. All right, let's look at another place. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I don't know why. It's just because what happens at the end. But Luke chapter 24, here's another post-resurrection encounter. Verse 13, it says, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. They're talking about Jesus being crucified. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing them. Here, Jesus is present but he's unrecognizable. You see the pattern happening. So they begin to tell Jesus about everything. They're like, are you the only person? Again, they're talking to Jesus. Are you the only person who didn't realize what happened about Jesus who was, you know, died and, and was crucified? And so Jesus goes on to tell them about all the prophets and all of the Old Testament scriptures that were leading up to prophesy about him, who they don't even know is talking to them right now. And it goes on. It says, so as they drew, in verse 28, as they drew near to the village to which they were going, this is, this is one of the most amazing things in scripture to me. I don't know why, I just find it fascinating. But it says he acted as if he was gonna go further. He acted as if he was going to just keep going on. Why did he do that? I think he did that just to see what they would do. Just to see where they were at. So he acts as if he's gonna keep walking, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is towards evening and the day is far now far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. Now he sits down, and when he's at the table with them, watch this, he took bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave the bread. And when this moment happened, boom, they were like, oh my gosh, we know who this is. Oh my gosh, we, we know this is Jesus. They recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. How many of you guys think that would be a day to talk about, right? Why did they notice him? Because this was Jesus' pattern with humanity, this is God's pattern that he takes us, he blesses us. There's a breaking that happens in us and then he gives us out to the world. But Jesus had did the, he'd done this at his pattern when, you know, at, at the last supper. What did he do? He took bread, he blessed bread, he broke bread, he gave bread. What did he do at the feeding of the 5,000? That miracle that happened, same pattern. Basically, he took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread and he gave the bread. So this was the pattern of Jesus and all of a sudden Jesus who went from being present but unrecognizable, all of a sudden their eyes were open and they could see Jesus. And they said, man, didn't our hearts burn with us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened up to us the scriptures? They were saying, we knew something was up. I couldn't recognize what was going on, but I, could just, I just knew something was up. What was happening? Jesus was present but unrecognizable. All right, let's look at another place in John chapter 21. Verse three, it says, Simon Peter then said to them, he said, I'm going to go fishing. He's going to go back to what he knows after the resurrection. Remember that Peter had denied Jesus three times, right? So he's going to back to fishing, and they said to him, well, we'll go with you. So a few other disciples decided to go fishing. And so they went out on, onto the boat, and all night they didn't catch anything. Then all of a sudden, as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. You see the pattern? Jesus is present, but he's unrecognizable, right? And then all of a sudden he says to them, he says, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
Does anybody remember what happened when Jesus first came to these disciples? They'd been out fishing all night long and what, they hadn't caught any fish. This is like deja vu all over again, right? They hadn't caught any fish and so Jesus says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. So they cast the net on the other side of the boat and all of a sudden they hauled in too much fish so, so that the boat and everything was about ready to sink. So here they are again in this moment where that first moment happened, they didn't know who Jesus was. Now they'd been living with Jesus, but they're present with Jesus, but he's unrecognizable. And he says, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. So that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. He recognized him. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. Again, Jesus was present, but unrecognizable. Maybe you're in a season right now where you don't recognize what Jesus is doing in your life. Have you ever been in one of those seasons where you wonder where Jesus went? Where you wonder what's happened? Where you wonder, like, I'm doing all this stuff, but I don't know if I know where Jesus is right now. Maybe you're in a season where what you expected to happen is not happening. The temptation for us is to go into something called deism, which is basically this idea that there is a God, but he just somehow wound the clock at the beginning of time and he's just letting it play out and he doesn't have any interaction with humanity until then. This is what people do when they try to take the supernatural out of God. They just try to say, well, there is a God, but I don't believe he's gonna interact with me very much. And we wouldn't say that we're doing that, but in reality, sometimes we do. When we go through seasons of our life where we don't recognize Jesus, we don't see Jesus, our temptation is to say, well, maybe Jesus just doesn't interact with me in the same way that he interacts with other people. So maybe you're in that season, maybe you believe in God, but you just don't expect him to interact with you anymore because you're in a season where you feel like, I wonder where Jesus went. Now, after Easter services last week, we went to a couple of family gatherings, uh, went over, eventually went over to my side of the family, to the Phillips family gathering. Uh, all of us are believers there, which is an amazing blessing. And so you wonder what happens at gatherings like that. And so we were all sitting around. And so my dad, he starts to throw out these, all the conundrums of the Bible. Like, let's debate these conundrums. And so he's asking all these questions. He's just throwing it out just because this is my dad. And see, he, he said, you know, is cremation a sin? So we started talking about what does that mean? Why do we do that? Why do we bury? You know, these type of questions just started to come out. And, and all of these questions, like what, what is the Leviathan in the book of Job? And so we debated that one for a while. Did a disciple really run away naked in scriptures? It actually happened. You can find it. It's in there. It's true. Now, all of you guys are looking it up and Googling it. Okay, like it's... Careful, okay. So all of these questions of the Bible, uh, how far does the grace of God really go? So we started to talk about that and we started to bat that around. And one of the things that, we, that somebody brought up but we really didn't have time to get into was this question. If Jesus, when he came to the tomb of Lazarus, knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, why did he weep? Because the shortest scripture in the Bible is Jesus wept. So if Jesus knows he's coming upon a situation where a miracle's about to happen, where everybody's getting ready to get excited, where there's a party about ready to happen, why did Jesus weep? And here's one of the reasons I believe that Jesus wept, even though he knew that it was about ready to be a party. I believe Jesus wept 
Because he chooses to enter into our pain even when he doesn't have to. He chooses to enter into our world. He's not a God that's distant, that decided to start this whole thing and then be hands off. But he's a God that even when he doesn't have to enter our pain, he chooses to enter into our pain. He chooses to walk life with us. He chooses to be with us. But what do you do when you don't feel that? What do you do when you're walking through a season where you know that intellectually, but you aren't experiencing it? And so this is just the question. Is it possible right now in your life, is it possible that Jesus is present, but you just can't see him right now? And if he is, what do you do with that? How do you interact with that? How do we see Jesus in those times? So I'm going to give us three questions to ask that might help some of that come to the surface for us. And the first question is this. It's a very practical question as to why Jesus may be present but unrecognizable. And it's this. Am I living a cluttered life? And I simply need to refocus. Is my life so cluttered, so busy, so, so filled with things that Jesus could stand right in front of me and, there's, and I wouldn't even know him from anybody else because my life is so full. Now, to help us illustrate this a little bit better, I have to take you someplace, so take a look. All right, this is my garage. Now, it may look messy to some people. It may not look like it has a rhyme or reason, but I now know where every single thing is in this garage but because I took everything out and I sorted through all of it and I threw a whole bunch of stuff away and I put everything back and I know exactly where everything is in my garage, which is an awesome feeling, by the way. Uh, but I noticed something this year. I noticed that I had been going methodically through different rooms and different you know, uh, boxes in my house and just taking everything everything out, throwing stuff away, going through everything. And I was able to like get rid of stuff that I, even stuff that it was like really personal, uh, things from past seasons in my life that things that I had emotional attachments to even that I couldn't let go of in a past season. Somehow I was able just to like let it go and just to throw it away or to give it away. And then God reminded me of that word that I had at the beginning of the year that he told me that this was going to be a year of loss and not in a bad way, not in a negative way, but of letting things go that need to go in my life. And he reminded me, he's like, you've been doing that in the natural and I'm doing that in the spiritual with you as well. And then he reminded me of Colossians chapter three, verse one and two, which says this, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not things of this earth. Last week, we talked about setting our clocks uh, by heaven's time, setting our clocks by the time zone that we're going in and not the one that we're living in now. And what this scripture is talking about is giving weight to certain things in our life. And if everything is important, then nothing's important. If everything is sacred, then nothing is sacred. If everything has the same weight, then nothing has weight. And so sometimes our lives are so cluttered because everything is where it's, everything is on the surface everything is in the way. And I believe what God is doing this year is that God is giving us an opportunity to even go back into those things 
even in the past seasons of our life and be able to let some things go. Even some things that were very personal to us, even things in past seasons of our life that we had emotional attachments with, that God is giving us a window to let some things go. So maybe one of the reasons we don't see Jesus right now is because we're so distracted. It's because there's so many things where everything is important so that nothing is important. So ask yourself the question, am I so cluttered that I can't see who Jesus is? Maybe it's because I'm distracted. All right, that's a very practical thing, but I think it's important for every single one of us to go through that in every season that we go through. We have to answer those questions. Those are very practical things, and it's not unspiritual to do that. I mean, the scriptures talk about doing things like that. We have to do that. So once we've done that, that leads us to another question. And the question is simply this, am I so in love with the old that I can't see God's new? You see, one of the reasons why we don't recognize what Jesus is doing is because we only identify Jesus with what we're familiar with. We only identify Jesus with what we know. Luke chapter 24, verse 36, another one of these encounters. It says, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. So many places, in many instances here, it talks about them being in a locked room after the resurrection. They specifically note that it was locked, and all of a sudden Jesus came through the wall somehow. Jesus appeared there and they, it said Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and they were frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. Why? Because Jesus didn't normally enter doors that way. <laughs> and so they were, they didn't recognize it was Jesus because Jesus was doing a new thing. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? So Jesus did something new, but because it was new, they thought it was something else. Is it possible that God is doing something brand new in your life, but since we are so in love with God's old, what God has done in the past season, that we, it's not only that we can't see it, but we'll actually reject the new. Some of us are rejecting the new that Jesus is trying to do in us because we're so in love with the old. Have you ever met somebody who is right all the time? who cannot be corrected. You, whenever you have a conflict and you try to confront them about it, even if they know that they are wrong, they still have to somehow go away from the conversation winning the argument. You ever know some people like that? Anybody know some people like that? Listen, I know some people like that. I've been people like that, okay? I'm just telling you. I, I know what that's like. And it seems like no matter what, they gotta go away winning the argument no matter what because they've got in their mind what, how it's going to be and they don't wanna change their mind. This is the way sometimes we can actually be not just about other people, but how we can actually be with God. That we've got it in our minds, the way God acts, what God says, what God does, the way God does it, and we will not change it. We will not allow for God to do something new in our life. And so what happens is when God does try to do something new in our life, we miss it because we're so connected with the familiar. What if God wants to do something brand new in your life? What if you're so married to the old season that you can't enter the new season? Do you realize that's what the Israelites did when they wandered around for 40 years? They, they couldn't handle the promised land. They couldn't handle how good it was. Is it possible that you are unwilling to handle how good God wants to bless you in the next season? Is it possible that you're unwilling to walk in obedience into the next season simply because it's different than the last season? When, when I was a teenager I think I don't know maybe I was 11 I don't know but we had this it was seventh grade I think and 
we had shop class, which we had to go outside the school and go to the shop. Do they still do shop class today? Like, I don't even know if they do that. Okay, do you even know what shop class is? I don't know. Okay, so in my, let me just explain it. In my school, when I grew up in a small town, 400 people in the town, kindergarten through 12th grade, there were 180 kids total. Kindergarten through 12th grade, okay? And so we had to go outside of the building, cross the street, and go to this little shop building where there was a shop teacher, and we would learn how to make stuff, okay? That was actually a class. And so I went to shop class, and this whole class was about drafting up, you know, blueprints and all that stuff, type of stuff. So we'd have to practice doing that. And my dad had been in construction, you know, ever since I knew, and, and he was contracting houses and framing and doing all this stuff. And so I'm in shop class trying to learn about this stuff. And, and the shop teacher says this, he says, it's impossible for you to build a house without architectural drawings, without these details. He was telling us how to do it all. And so I'm like raising my hand. I'm like, I says, what Mr. Whatever your name is, because I don't even remember his name now. Mr. Whatever your name is, I disagree with you, you know, and that was kind of, kind of happened frequently with me back in those days. Not that it still happens today, but I was like, I have, I have an issue with that. And he was like, what's, what's your issue with that? I said, well, my issue with that is my dad right now is over a few blocks away. He's building a house that he just hand drew on a napkin for somebody. And he said, that's impossible. I said, it ain't impossible. You can go over there and look at it right now. He literally, I saw the napkin he drew it on. He just drew it out and he's building it over there. He's like, it's impossible. So we argued and argued back and forth until class was over. And he was so frustrated with me. And, and I was like, man, it's, you can say it's impossible, but it's happening over there. Here, here's what I want you to hear. My father, heavenly father, still draws on napkins. Some of us, we, we got our architectural drawings all figured out. We think this is the way God does it. This is what I've seen him done in the past. This is what he does. But I can tell you, you may think it's impossible, but I, I could just say, you might want to go over around the corner because he's drawing on a napkin. He's building something over there. And you can choose to believe it or you can choose not to believe it, but it's happening right now. See, some of us, we have, we've got so stuck to our architectural drawings We've got so stuck, and, and what, what maybe started off as God's plan, now God has moved on to a different plan, but we've stayed there, and guess what? God's yesterday's plan now becomes our plan when we refuse to go into tomorrow's plan. Really, what, what used to be good in God can now become the flesh if we are choosing to stay stuck in it when God is calling us out of it. See, some of us, we can't recognize what Jesus is doing today because we're so in love with the old. But watch this, in, in, uh, it, it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, it says, Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so that both are preserved. New wine means new wineskins. In other words, if God is going to put something new in you, then you have to be something new to put something in. And we have to be willing to become new if God is going to put something new in. But if you refuse to become something new, if you refuse to become a new container, then God can't put anything new in you. And so God may be trying to pour new wine in you, but what's happening is it bursts every time. And you're wondering, why is it not working? Why can't I see Jesus? Why isn't it happening? It's because you're an old wineskin. And, and so when God does try to do something new, we don't recognize and we, don't, we interpret it. Here's what happens. We interpret what Jesus is doing as a different type of Jesus. 
We can't even see who Jesus is. So am I so in love with the old that I don't recognize the new? Okay, the last thing is this. Am I walking by my faith or am I walking by my feelings? Feelings are great, but feelings are not my master. Feelings are not in the driver's seat of my life. They cannot be. You have to get to a place where you are not moved by what you feel. You are moved by what you believe. Come on, did anybody hear what I just said there? You have to get to a place where you are not moved by what you feel. You're moved by what you believe. You, You are not moved. You can be steadfast, not because of what's happening. So listen, if you don't establish this in your life, you will be moved around by every wind and doctrine, no doubt, but you'll be moved around by every relationship that goes a little bit iffy. You'll be unsettled by every situation that comes your way, every financial situation that starts to blow your way. You'll be unsettled because you're moved by your feelings and not your faith. One of the most famous examples of this is in John chapter 20, verse 24. It says, now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So remember when Jesus is in the locked room, right? Or the guys are in the locked room, Jesus pops in. Evidently, Thomas wasn't there. So Thomas, he didn't get to see that moment. And so the other disciples told him, they they said, hey, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, now, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. What was Thomas saying? He's like, I am choosing to walk by my senses, not my faith. Now, God has grace with us. God does. But watch what happened. Thomas missed out on a season of believing and he was still in doubt because he was choosing to walk by his feelings. God has grace though. It says eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. At that point, anytime somebody said, peace be with you, I'd be like, you're Jesus, right? Like, you're Jesus. Like, I don't know how you got in here. Then he said, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, put, your, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him. Now, now Thomas realizes, okay, Jesus is present and recognizable. He says, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Now watch what happens next. He says, have you believed because you've seen me? He says, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet they have believed. What he's saying here is that those who choose to walk by faith and who don't see Jesus with their senses enter into a deeper type of blessing. They're walking in a deeper blessing. When Jesus is present and you choose to recognize him by faith, you walk in a deeper blessing than being able to even see Jesus in the moment. You walk in a deeper type of blessing. And there are times in our life when Jesus invites us into this type of blessing and we hate it. Have you ever been in one of those seasons where Jesus is completely silent? Where you pray and it's nothing? Where you, you do everything you, you know to do and you feel like there's nothing there? Have you ever been in one of those seasons before? So you think maybe I've sinned and so you confess of every sin that you can think of. You go back to when you were five years old, like what was the worst thing I did? You know, what was the, what's the first thing I did? You know, did I repent of that one? And you go through every single one and you've done everything you know to do and yet still nothing. You know, Winky Prattney is a guy who was around when I was in youth pastor days and, and he calls this a divine darkness. It wasn't because of the enemy, it was a divine darkness. And I'll kind of try to explain what that is, but 
when you go through it, what happens is you feel an emptiness at times. You, you sit, have you ever sat in a service and it feels like everyone else is experiencing the presence and power of God, but you feel nothing on the inside? And so you pray, you feel nothing. You worship, you feel nothing. You go to TNT and you feel nothing. You feel numb on the inside. And so then you, you, you go through all these things. You're, you're like, you know, you know may, maybe there's sin in my life. You confess all the sin. You, you're like, maybe, uh, uh, maybe it's like Pastor Sean preached a few weeks ago. I'm not taking my authority in Christ. So you begin to bind. You begin to loose. You begin to you, you listen to more messages and you still have nothing. And you think there's something wrong. Has anybody ever been there before? Because I have. I have. I went through, I said it was about two years. It was more like about a year and a half of my life several years ago where I went through a season like that. And listen, I grew up in church. I grew up in ministry. I grew up serving God. I know what it's like to read my Bible. I know what it's like to enter the presence of God. I know what it's like to worship. I know what it's like to pray through something. I know what it's like to bind and to lose. I know what it's like to do all those things. And I went through a season where I was feeling nothing. And so I would enter into worship and I'd try to worship more, worship harder. I'd confess every sin I knew what to do. I'd fast, I'd pray, nothing. And the question is, will you serve God when you feel like it, whether you feel like it or not? Will you serve God? Will you obey? And you might say, of course I will. Okay, how about if you never feel his presence ever again? Because here's what I've discovered. Some people, some Christians really love Christ. And some Christians love the feelings that they get by loving Christ. Let me say that again. Some people love Jesus, but sometimes, if we're really honest, it's really the feelings that we get when we follow Jesus that we're really in love with. So when those feelings that we get when following Jesus are gone, what do you do? Well, let me tell you what I did. I got to that point about a year and a half in, and I said, God, if you're listening, because that's how I felt. I just didn't even feel like he was listening. I said, God, if you're listening, because it felt like a ceiling. I was like, I don't even know if you are. But I said, if you are listening, let me tell you something. And I, I was just being honest. I said, let me tell you something. I am going to worship you for the rest of my life, whether I feel like it or not. I don't care if I ever feel your presence again, I'm gonna worship you every single week, every single day, I'm gonna worship. I'm gonna pray whether I ever feel like it or not. I'm gonna read my Bible till the day I die whether I feel your presence ever again or not. I'm gonna obey you whether I ever feel your presence ever again. I said, because I decided that I will follow you. And it was not based on how I felt about it. It was not based on what I felt. And listen, I, I love feeling the presence of God. And I think you should do it. I think I love those times when we feel tangibly the presence of God and I believe God wants to do that. But I made a decision. I said, God, I am going to follow you till the day I die even if I never feel your presence ever again. And you know what happened? I started to feel the presence of God again. Here's what I can tell you. Sometimes God and I, I'm not, don't make a big theology out of this. I'm just telling you what happens sometimes. Sometimes God takes us into a season of silence, not so we will doubt, but so we'll trust him more. 
Because I can tell you what happened as a result of that season, as a result of me coming to the end of my feelings, as a result of me deciding that I will follow you for the rest of my life, whether I feel like it or not. You know what happened in that moment? My faith took leaps. Because I couldn't be moved by my feelings anymore. I couldn't be moved by what I felt anymore. You're like, well, why would God do that at times? Well, I was reading a book by Watchman Nee. And Watchman Nee, you know, talks about this. And he said, why is it that some believers, they pray and they pray and they don't seem to get what they're praying for, like a breakthrough in an area of their life or something like that. And he's like, and they try everything. They go through all this stuff and finally get to the end of themselves. And all of a sudden, it's almost like magic. <laughs> everything just starts to happen. He said, why is that? He said, well, sometimes God draws us into this place where all we're hungry for is no longer the gifts, but to the giver of the gifts where we become so hungry for God that that becomes our breakthrough. And then everything else just begins to happen. And so if you're experiencing this season of silence right now, you may be closer to God than you think you are. Jesus may be present and yet unrecognizable. The question is, if that's the case, what are you going to do? Are you going to live by your faith or live by your feelings? And let me tell you, I'm going to have Pastor Aaron come back at this time, I've asked him to do a song here at the end, and you, many of you probably won't know this song. But sometimes what happens when I prepare for a weekend like this, I'll see something happening. And this is what I saw happening. I saw Pastor Aaron doing this song, and I saw people coming down to the altar. This is kind of our makeshift altar here. You know, the scriptures, they made altars. This becomes our altar. And I'm, and, and what I I just saw people coming down, and I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know anything, but I knew that this is what we were supposed to do. I was supposed to just open up this time. And this isn't a time for us to, well, now I'm going to get my encounter with God. Now I'm going to get my feeling with God. It was just simply for some people to say, I'm going to continue to walk with Jesus even in this time when G I, I don't recognize Jesus, but I'm going to just declare that he's present in my life. And it may be for one person or it may be for everybody. So what do you do in a time like that? Well, I've, I've shown you guys this question before, but it's simply a question I ask all the time, and it's, what are you doing today, and how can I be a part? So when I walk into a grocery store, I'll ask God, I'll say, what are you doing in this grocery store, and how can I be a part of it? When I walk into a service, many times I'll ask, God, what are you doing in this service? How can I be a part of it? What, what are you doing today, and how can I be a part? When you don't see Jesus... When you don't recognize the hand of Jesus, you have to say that and ask that by faith. So what do you do when he doesn't answer? You do what you know. You just walk out what you know. You say, God, I'm going to have an open heart to whatever you say. But if I don't hear you say anything, I'm just going to continue to do what I know. And I'm going to walk out what I know. You begin to walk that out by faith. And so I'm going to pray and have us all stand up, Auditorium 2, Auditorium 1, let's all stand up. And whether you're in Auditorium 2 or Auditorium 1, during this song, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to do this, if this is for you, I'm just going to invite you just to come to the front there and just to have a moment with Jesus. And everyone, all, all the rest of us, we can just listen to these words and just have a reconnect moment. Just have a reconnect moment. So Jesus, we come before you right now and I pray for everyone here who 
maybe going through that silent season. But we're in good company because all of the disciples, the Marys, all, all of them experienced just this thing. And Lord, we choose that we are gonna walk by faith and not by our feelings. That we're gonna walk by faith and not by sight. We made a decision that we will follow you. So we will worship you the rest of our life. Whether we feel it or not, we will pray the rest of our life. Whether we feel it or not, we will read the word the rest of our life. Whether we feel it or not, we will obey. Whether we feel it or not, we will share the good news, whether we feel it or not because we decided to follow you. So Lord, I pray for anyone going through this right now. Lord, we just, we say this is a moment. I just declare this is a special moment. I believe there is gonna be a breakthrough for people here today. I believe there is gonna be a moment for somebody today. And I just declare that right now. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your promise that says you do. You never leave us or forsake us. And we trust that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name.